90, verse 12, and this will be for our time in the Word together this morning. Psalm 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. That's a prayer. Teach us. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. Amen. Amen. Okay, please be seated together. Sunday school. Uh, Going to go out to Sunday school. Have a great time. The children, bless them all. God bless you. Amazing. God bless you all. Great to see each one. I know that we people are traveling. Some are sick and and it's raining and everything, but here we are, here you are, and God has a blessing for each one of us as we open our hearts to him this morning. If you're visiting, I know I met Joy at the back there, great to meet you, welcome, God bless you, and anyone else that's visiting here, Ron's family, some of Ron's family, great to have you with us, and each one, amazing. So we stand, oh great to have Kai Fung and family back from, from their travels, good to have you with us again. We're standing on the threshold of a brand new year, right at the doorway between 2023 and 2024. And the years roll by, don't they? Do you notice that, anyone? Faster right? Faster. It really does. Sorry? Yeah? Faster and faster. Faster and faster, exactly. So... Let's, uh, let's pray together. So, Father, just now as we go to your word with expectation and faith, we do pray that prayer that you would teach us, even this morning during this time, you would teach us to number our days that we might apply our heart to wisdom. We pray your spirit would quicken us and teach us and speak to us. We pray for all those watching online, joining us live, we pray you would minister and speak, instruct our hearts as we go into the new year. We ask and pray for that together in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we'll be in Psalm 90 today, which is a psalm uh, attributed to Moses. And in this psalm, we'll consider the precious gift of time. In this psalm, the phrase, our days... Uh, echoes through the verses. And particularly in verse 10, there's a phrase, the days of our lives, uh, which will serve us for a title for our sermon this morning. In verse 2, God is described as he who is from everlasting to everlasting. The everlasting, eternal God. And in the psalm, man is described as grass that withers, considers his temporal life that has a beginning and an end. And man can be called back to the dust at any time. So we'll pick it up there in verse 3. He says, you turn man back to the dust, saying, return to the dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night, a watch being a time of about four hours. A short time is the emphasis, is the point of what's being said. 
and yet you sweep people away into the sleep of death. They are like the new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. And the psalmist in this poetic yet inspired writing is recognizing the shortness of time, that even someone's days may be cut short uh, through tragedy or accident or sicknesses. Um, Even because of sin, some might die early. It mentions that in verse 8 and verse 9. And even if we live into our old age, life is short. And we learn that life is a gift that we don't take for granted. So in verse 10, it says, The days of our lives may come to 70 years, or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and fly away. I don't know if that resonates with anyone, that the days of our lives quickly pass and then we fly away. Even if we live a full 80 years or more, the days of our lives quickly pass. And then we will be on the other side of the grave. And thankfully, as believers, we have great hope and expectation in our hearts when we say that. If you want to know how quickly the days pass, ask a parent. I think that's one of the reasons we're given children, so that we realize how fast time goes. They grow up so quickly. Or ask a grandparent who has even seen their grandchildren become adults. I remember saying, gosh, look at my father. My children are growing up so quickly. And then I look at my mom. Oh, my mom is getting older. And then I realize, here am I in the middle. Me too. The days pass so quickly. In Psalm 39, the psalmist says, you have made my days as hand breadths. And this was a, a, a form of measurement in the Old Testament, a cubit or a hand's breadth. And the point being a very short measurement, you have made my life. He says, my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best estate is but vapor. Selah. Think on that for a while. If time is short, what does that mean? It means that we must be good stewards of it. In James chapter 4 in the New Testament, we can look, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow for what is your life It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or do that. We understand what the writer is addressing there. That what should be in the heart of of, of a person, particularly a believer, is this sense of submitting my life and my days to his will and his ways that I don't live in this careless presumption about life and I do whatever I want whenever I want and oh, I've got all of my life to, I've got decades and decades. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We should say, if the Lord wills. 
What it means is there's an awareness in the heart that there is God. In my worldview and in my life and in my heart, I believe in God. And I want my life to be submitted to His ways and His will and His timing. In, our, in the frailty of our humanity, but in the boldness of our faith, we would say to God, oh, would you teach me? Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you help me not live in familiarity or careless presumption, but to live in the moment and to be looking to you? So the psalmist is, has his heart before God as he writes. Wants to, God to teach him. We read also in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We believe in God. God is living. God is personal. God is thinking. God has desires. God has a will for my life. And how fitting it is that the believer would seek to know what God's will is and to honor him during his days. That he would not want to be conformed to this world, but he want to, wants to be transformed by the renewing of his mind. And that's why we gather to hear the word and are open to the Holy Spirit to instruct us and guide us. That his word will be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path on our pilgrim journey. So the psalmist makes this prayer request. So teach us to number our days. If our lives pass quickly, if the days of our lives pass so quickly, then please teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. Teach us that we would recognize how valuable one day is, how valuable time is. And in light of the brevity of life, we will want to make each day count and have value and purpose before God, that we are stewards of a great gift that has been given to us. It is like the hourglass that we see, the sand passing through so quickly, and you cannot stop it, and it continues to flow, and it continues to flow. That tomorrow becomes today, and today becomes yesterday. And we are moving on this timeline. And we don't know what tomorrow brings, but our hearts are before God. And why does he ask God to teach him to number, how to number his days? Why? So that he may apply his heart to wisdom. Wisdom. What is it that wisdom in, in God's perspective, true wisdom, what is it that wisdom would seek in this life? Well, at the end of Psalm 90, it tells us this in verse 16. The psalmist ends his prayer by saying, let your work or your workings, the, the power of your hands, the work of your hands, let your work appear to our servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands. I think that's a great desire and a prayer for 2020, what is it? <laughs> 2024. That's a great prayer. Oh, let, let your work appear to us that we would see what you are doing, how you are working. We would discern the work of redemption and the purpose of the gospel and the church 
building the church and your faithfulness, that we would see your hands and the glory to our children, to those around us, the next generation, to our family, that we would see your... Can you still hear me? That's a great prayer for this coming year. That your work would appear to us. Hello? That we would discern, we would see. And that your glory to our children, to our families, to those in our life, to the next generation. And look at this. And the beauty of our Lord God be upon us. Hello? Wow. Yes, Lord. For this coming year, may your beauty be upon us. May it be recognized and evident to us and those in our lives. May we see your work. May your glory be upon us and our children. And may your beauty be on us. And look at this. And establish the work of our hands. What a great prayer that is. And he says it again. Yes, establish the work of our hands. While we have time. A hundred years ago, this church began. Uh, We weren't here. Anyone? Maybe a couple of people were here. I don't know. There's a few. A hundred years ago, we weren't here. And a hundred years ago, a hundred years' time, we will not be here. But we are here now. This is our time and our opportunity. And we say, Lord, will you establish the work of our hands in our personal life, in our family, and in our church? This is our opportunity, our season, our time, our mission field for our lives to be submitted to God's will and God's ways. And we say, oh, Lord, will you help me to see your workings? Will your glory be upon our children, our physical and our spiritual children? Will your beauty be upon us? And will you establish the work of our hands? What a wonderful prayer that brings pleasure to God. Jesus said in John 9, 4, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no man can work. Even Jesus recognized his time. He had an opportunity. It was limited. He worked while it was day, while he had the time. Some might say, oh, I'll think about it later. Maybe you've heard a young person say that. Well, right now I'm busy. I've got my life. I've got my responsibility. I'll think about God later. The Bible has something to say to that, to someone who would say, well, first I want to live my life, and then I'll seek God. Then I'll look for his will. And we read in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Now, of course, someone can come to God on their deathbed. And God delights and treasures and loves the, our twilight years. He loves the prayers the, the, of, in my old age and looking back on his faithfulness. And he delights in that, of course. But if I have my youth, it says, remember, and notice the word now. 
Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Seek him now. Honor him now. Get to know him now. Have the Bible open now. Seek him. Find him. Honor him. Walk with him. Whatever the the path of life, wherever it may take you all, now and always, be remembering him. Be conscious of him. Be seeking him. You remember, perhaps some of you have read the Screwtape Letters which is a, by C.S. Lewis. It's a fictional writing, the conversations of, of demons and how that they uh, tempt and entrap people, etc. It's insightful. It's, and in that, one of the demons, they make suggestions about how they may trap people and humans and young people. And one of them is like this, has this moment of realization as they are thinking, how can we, what can we do? And one of them says, tell them that they have time. And, the, and the, the, the head one there says, oh, yes, that's it. Tell them that they have time. Go to it, he says. There was a pastor who was visiting a home one time. And as he's waiting in the, in the living room for the, for the husband and wife to come down, the daughter comes down the stairs and she's about to leave leave the house and he knows her because she was in Sunday school and she was in the church and but when she became a teenager she just kind of fell away and he hadn't seen her and he greets her and she awkwardly says oh oh pastor uh, hello yeah I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been around I'm, I'm so busy and uh, and she says oh later I will I will look for God Right, right now I am so busy, I, I can't later. And he just smiles and says, oh, God loves you. God has a plan for you. I'll pray for you. And then a couple of days later, there is this bunch of flowers left at the door. Red roses. But they are dead. And it has a little card with her name on it. And she picks it up. She says, who would do this? What an insult that someone would give me dead roses. And there's a little card, and it just says, Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And it struck a chord with her. And she realized, and she looked to God. Honor him, and he will honor you all of your days. Whatever you do, keep God in your focus. Seek first the kingdom of God and he will add and his righteousness and he will add and he will supply. Be a good steward and you will be rewarded. Honor God and he will honor you. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You remember the parable that Jesus told in Luke 12, I'll read it to you, where the man says, oh, I will store up all of my crops and my goods, and I will say to my soul, oh, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease and eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you, and then whose will those things be which you have provided? And Jesus then says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. 
What is the meaning there? And also with James 4, it's not saying you can't be an entrepreneur and have a business and make money and go, of course, that's part of life and God may lead and add that in your life. But be careful you don't have that and you are not also rich with God. That's the point. There is a time appointed that we will meet with our maker. It says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed to man once to die and then the judgment. And what did I do with my life, with my time, with my opportunity? How was I in terms of stewardship before God? If you go to a graveyard, and I've done this with my children, instructs our hearts. You look at the graveyard and there are two dates on that gravestone. I remember saying to my children, you two dates. When man is born, when man dies. And the important thing is what happens between those two dates. What did that person do with their life? You ever do that? You wonder through, I wonder if that person was a believer. And often what's written on the, on the tombstone, you have, oh, that person was a believer, it seems. What did they do with their life? When they heard the gospel, did they get saved? Did they bow their heart? Did they open their heart to God? Did they seek him? Was the Bible open in their life? Did they have a church? Did they honor God? Did they pray to him? Wisdom cries out to us. In uh, Genesis 5, it's one of those chapters that we would skip over because it's one of those kind of genealogies. And it says, this man was born and he lived this many years and he had a son and his son's name was, and then he lived this many years and then he died. And then it says of his son, and he lived so many years and he had a son and he lived so many years and he died. And it goes on and on and on. And then it gets to Enoch. And it says, Enoch lived this many years and he had a son named Methuselah. And then Enoch walked with God. Wow, that's different. He, he was born, he lived, he died. He was born, he lived, he died. He was born and he walked with God. That is our opportunity. That is our calling, our high calling. What does the New Testament say in this regard? Let's look in Ephesians 5 as a New Testament commentary for us. See then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, there it is again, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That's an echo, isn't it, of Psalm 90? Teach me to number my days. Redeem the time, Paul says. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, there it is again, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It implies that part of wisdom is knowing what the will of the Lord is. And how do I know his will? By the renewing of my mind. I'm not conformed to this world, but I am the renewing of my mind through his word and spirit that I may prove and what is the perfect and acceptable will of God. 
And then it says, do not be drunk with wine or in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. All these words of warning and sober encouragement for us. May they rest on our ears and our hearts as we look into this next new year. Not to be fools, but to be wise. Not to be careless, but to be careful. That we would seek him and look to be filled with his spirit. And look at this in Galatians chapter 6. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now what's interesting about this verse is the Greek word for season and opportunity is the same word, kairos an allotted time with a beginning and an end, a season, a time. What does that tell us? It tells us that time is an opportunity. It tells us that this season we are in is an opportunity. It's the same word. This is how God looks at time for us. He says, this is a gift to you, and it's an opportunity, and you are stewards over it. And as we have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good to all men especially unto them of the household of faith. Let's be busy in doing good and not be weary in well-doing, and we will reap. I'll read a few other verses to you. This is Hebrews chapter 6. He says, Beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, in that you minister to the saints. That's a paraphrase of what we just read. Doing good to all men, especially to the household of God. You have ministered to the saints and do continue to minister. And we desire that every one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end whenever that is. I added that last bit, whenever that is. 1 Peter chapter 4. As every man has received the gift, and this is speaking about spiritual gifts, even so minister the same to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are stewards of our time, and we are stewards of his grace. If any man speak, let him speak as the words of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God has given, that in all things may God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And there is the ultimate crowning of a person's life who lives by faith and walks in revealed wisdom, that God is glorified. He is not doing good works in the flesh for his own gain or his own recognition, may do it quietly even behind the scenes, but this verse in Hebrews 6 that we just read, that God is, is not unfaithful or unrighteous to forget your labor of love. We are to be good stewards and to redeem the time. I would venture to say, if everyone in heaven today <clears throat> and everyone in hell today 
could communicate to us, could say something to us, what would they say? I think there's a few things that they would agree on. I think they would say to us who are living, they would say, redeem the time. They would say, oh, believe the gospel. They would say, follow after God with all your heart. Time is short, and oh, there is such great reward. Just follow him, keep after him. Isn't this what the rich man said in Luke 16 when he was on the other side of the gulf and it was too late for him, and he prayed, he said, oh, God, would you send someone to my brothers that they may testify to them? And that's what those who are on the other side of the grave would say. If they could testify, they would say, oh, seek after him, follow him, live by faith, redeem the time. But the Christian can wander, can lose his way, can fall into practical unbelief. As the hymn goes, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take it, seal it with your spirit from above. Rescued thus from sin and danger, purchased by the Savior's blood, may I walk on earth a stranger, a son, and an heir of God. We read in Second Peter, it says, Beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. Here is my mission statement, my desire, my hope for 2024, that I may grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ. And in this passage in Hebrews 3, several times, three or four times, it says these words, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Maybe we sense that in our own hearts. We sense what it means to be humble. We sense what it means to be proud. We sense what it means to receive. We sense what it means to resist. When God speaks to us, we sense what it means to preserve our life, and we know what it means to go to the cross and say, Amen. You are God, and I am not. You are eternal. I am a mere mortal. And you know my frame. I am just dust. But you love me, you died for me, you have a plan for me, and therefore I put my life in your hands. If you hear his voice while it is called today, it says. So I must take today and each and every day and hear him and look to him. There is a proverb at the end of Proverbs chapter 24. There are a few verses about a vineyard. Maybe you remember this. It's the writer says this, I went by the field of the slothful or the lazy man, by the vineyard, the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, or we could use that same term, the unwise man or the fool, him who was devoid of understanding. I went past his vineyard and there it was all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. And when I saw it, listen to this. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked upon it and I received instruction. And here is the picture. He's walking past these vineyards, beautiful fruit, green. And he comes to this one vineyard. It's overgrown. The wall's broken down. There's no fruit 
and he, he, and he remembers that person. Uh, maybe you recall that, and I know people, I prayed with them and fellowship them, rejoiced with them. I don't know where they are now. And he looked upon the vineyard, not with judgment, but realizing that could happen to me also. There, but by the grace of God, go I. I want to be careful because a, a, a vineyard doesn't become overgrown overnight, but it takes daily maintenance for all you gardeners out there. I have to go out often and pull the weeds, and I, I don't do that, but we should do that. It takes daily maintenance, right? Because if not, if I'm not careful before I know it, it is overgrown and it's too, there is no fruit there. That's the, the sober warning. He says, when I saw it, I considered it well and I received instruction. And I feel that as a Christian. Do you sense that as a Christian? Oh, my gosh, that could happen to me. I want to be careful. I want to be guarded. I don't want to be foolish. I don't want to be familiar. I don't want to be indifferent. Because 10 years from today could be like this vineyard and there I am I have lost so much and he says a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the hands to eat and so shall poverty we could say spiritual poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man all consider it well song of solomon 1 6 says other vineyards I have kept but my own vineyard I have not kept. This is another stewardship. Are you ready? We are stewards of time. We are stewards of his grace. And we are stewards of our own vineyard. And it is important that we uh, are not careless with our spiritual life, but we live a purposed life. The spiritual life does not happen by accident. The spirit-filled life does not happen by accident. Becoming a disciple does not happen by accident, but it's by choice, it's by faith, and it's by a fervent response to him. Hosea 10.12 says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness and reap mercy. Break up your fallow ground, the hard ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Hosea 10, 12. It is time to seek the Lord. It's always time to seek the Lord. And he says, break up the fallow ground, the hard ground. I love that term. That he says that to us. It's our responsibility to make sure that soil is receptive and open to him. It's the good soil of Luke 15. New Year's resolutions as we close. We hear about speaking about you know, new, making New Year's resolutions. And from now on, I'm not going to eat any of that junk food. I'm going to start exercising three times a week. And we understand that, hey, I'm on, I'm on board with that also. Hey, New Year, yes. And we have that. But how about, uh, how about spiritual New Year's resolutions? What about my spiritual health? You have these people, I've got a gym membership, I'm going to go three times a week. What about your spiritual health? What is your commitment in, in that area for 2024? What are you going to purpose in your life to make sure that your vineyard is fruitful, that you redeem the time, that you get to know God more, that you are used by him in his work and in his labors? I think that takes some decision also. 
1 Timothy 4.8 says, bodily exercise profits little. It does profit. It's good to do it. I want to do it. But godliness is profitable to all things. Bodily exercise profits little, the Bible says. But what about spiritual exercise? Unto godliness, it says it's profitable unto all things. So as believers in the new year, we stand and we look across the threshold to 2024 and we say, Lord, teach us to number our days, to treasure each day and the people in our life in this season. We don't take people for granted, opportunities for granted. And this is a wonderful thing as a believer, the Greek word for honor. It means to recognize the value of something. And people go through life all the time and they don't recognize the value of that day or that person or that opportunity until perhaps it's too late. But as Christians, I think particularly through the scriptures, our hearts are reminded again and again. We don't take that for granted. But God has given me this season, and I don't know how long it is. And in this season, there are these people that God has added to my life, and perhaps I am added to their life for a season. I don't know how long that is, but I don't want to take it for granted. I want to embrace it and recognize it and enjoy it and honor it all of my days. I want to pray, Lord, help me to redeem the time. Teach me to number my days. I'll close with an old poem, and then we'll pray. Dear Master, for this coming year, just one request I bring. I do not pray for happiness or any earthly thing. I do not ask to understand the way you leadest me. But this I ask, teach me to do the thing that pleases thee. I want to know your guiding voice, to walk with thee each day. Dear Master, make me swift to hear and ready to obey. And thus the year I now begin, a happy year will be, if I am seeking just to do the thing that pleases thee. Father, we pray together this morning. And what surfaces in, in our hearts as we look back, as we recognize your faithfulness, your great faithfulness, you have kept us, you have helped us, you have led us, you have provided for us. We don't understand all things that have happened, but we see and recognize that you are faithful and true. We thank you for your ways, your wisdom, your goodness. As we seal this year, we seal it with thankfulness and praise to you. And now as we look ahead to this next year, we have expectation, we have hope, we have faith, we have thankfulness to you. We pray, Lord, teach us to number our days. Teach us to seize the day, to value each person, to embrace each opportunity that you may give us, that we may do good to all men, especially to those in the household of faith, that we would minister to the saints, that with our gifts we would use them for your glory and to minister to people. We pray that through this church many would come to know you, to hear the gospel, to come to faith this year. We pray you would draw people 
lead people through these doors and the doors of, of churches that are teaching your word and the gospel across our land, we pray. Bless all of the churches and pastors and those who are teaching and preaching and discipling. Bless all those that serve in churches. May they, may they grow this coming year, we ask and pray. And then we thank you once again for salvation, the gift of grace, that we are saved by your grace. And we do not deserve it, we cannot earn it, but it is a gift that is given in Jesus. And if you are here this morning or listening online, you are not sure of your salvation or right on this very day, today if you hear his voice, respond to him and say, oh God, I want to be sure of my salvation. I put my faith solely in Jesus for he is the savior. I cannot save myself. I am a sinner and you are the savior. Save me today by your grace and lead me in a walk with you, I pray. We pray for each one here, for those that can't be with us this morning because of traveling or health, whatever it might be. We pray for all of the families that are represented here, our loved ones, our extended families, our unsaved loved ones, those who are struggling with health issues and, and troubles. Oh, we pray this day as we look into the new year we pray for your answer your goodness your grace your faithfulness that you would hear and answer our prayers like never before this coming year that you would reveal yourself to us and through us this coming year we ask and pray we seal this time now with praise and thankfulness in Jesus name amen okay